Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome everybody. It's Is It Just Me, the podcast that is like a little um, scary, quite scary dance around the brains of me, Joe Elvin and James Williams, my co-host. Say hi, James. Hello, Joe Elvin. How are you? I'm, you know, I'm, well, I'm Joe Elvin, so it's about as good as you can, you can imagine that that can be. And every week, guys, as a lot of you already know the drill, we discuss all sorts of things, all sorts of the minutiae of things that really worry and depress and make me and James paranoid and ask, is it just us? And every week we are joined by a fabulous celebrity who has been, you know, hit over the head with a baseball bat and dragged in with a duffel bag. Um, and this week it is the writer, broadcaster, Women's Hour presenter, country file uh, beloved presenter, and now author of her own first book, Anita Rani. And here she is. Ah, oh, nice to see you both. Nice to be back. Oh, Second time on this podcast. I know. What made, you want, what made you want to jump in again? <laughs> I like to say I'm sucker for punishment. You must be. You must be. Normally people do it once and then, you know, thanks. That that was great, but, you know, yeah. that once is enough. Yeah. We're like the London Marathon of podcasts. Yeah, you do it once and never do it ever again. <laughs> but, you know, but we are delighted to have you and congratulations on the publication of your book. Thank you. Yeah, I must say when you said, and now write it, it did feel pretty special. Yeah, terrifying. What have I done? Like right. keep saying that to me because uh, you know as you know we um launched your okay, publicity campaign you. well thank you it's an extraordinarily powerful honest raw book um so and Ermi, you said to me i'm terrified i'm terrified do you still feel like that so i did up until the point that actually the first interview came out in you and then mm-hmm. i breathed a little sigh of relief so thanks for that you know it's like actually I feel you know I've written some important stuff and it's yeah it's I did it for a reason and it's hopefully valuable to some people and it's important that I put this out there and so rather than just crapping myself 24 7 and feeling anxious as I have been I am now trying to own own it and be brave and courageous and actually enjoy it you know I put a lot of hard work into this as you know like writing is not it's um, it's real dedication, and I did it through lockdown. And if all I'm going to do is waste this time, this moment in my life, which is a real moment, to, by just being all caught up and crippled, you know, bent over with worry, then I'm, you know, not I'm not doing myself any favors, and I just want to enjoy it. So, who knows what the journey of this book will be? It might all end tomorrow, but either way, I'm right now. I'm, you know, I feel like you know, I wrote it for a reason. And I'm putting it out into the world. Let's see what happens. Now, give us the elevator pitch. For those who um, are hearing about this for the first time, what, what's, what's the gist? 
So this is a story about how uh, a young Punjabi lass, Indian lass from Yorkshire, navigates her life to become one of the few brown women on national television. And so I start in up in Bradford. I actually take you back through my history. I tell you about how my grandfather got here. But through it, I really open up about things that I've never spoken about before. So it might be things that you've never even heard about before. I talk about how difficult my life was as a teenager. I talk about family trauma. I talk about self-harm. I, I mean, it's all in there. Um, uh, yeah, just moving to London, you know, navigating a, an industry where no one looked like me right at the beginning. And so I've put myself out there. Also, just the pressure that South Asian women are put on not from from within their own families, because there is a lot of cultural oppression, like Indians, South Asians, very patriarchal communities. But then when you step out into the wider world, you have to shapeshift and adjust to fit in with those spaces and how that can really impact your identity. So, yeah, I mean, it's a lot. It's all there. It's like a choo-choo train ride through my life. But it's, well, it's, you know, it's... it is really powerful and it's really honest. And I'm just wondering a couple of things. Which bit of the book were you most terrified of exposing? And, you you know, I'm sure you wouldn't tell me what, but do you feel like there's still things that you left out? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's things I yeah. left out. I think, you know, there's loads in there. There's loads. In there. The thing is, Joe, I've never really... Opened up. I mean, I wrote an article for Red Magazine about my miscarriage um, a couple of years ago, and that was my first tiptoe into being vulnerable and talking about something really, really personal. And the reaction, as you know, when you talk, when you do become vulnerable in a public space is huge because it really helps people. And then I wrote this book in lockdown and it was just me and tapping away. And it was therapy. It was just so cathartic that it was just pouring out of me and I just let it happen. <laughs> and then obviously it's like, oh, actually, I've got to put this into the world. Things came out, stuff didn't even go on the page that I felt and well, I didn't want to share, people I want to protect. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got to do that. However, there is a lot in there, a lot that I felt I've put out there. What am I nervous about? I mean, I'm nervous about all of it. I don't know how any of it is going to, how people are going to react to any of it. Uh, some people have asked me, am I nervous about the stuff? I've called out a lot of bullshit from within my own sort of patriarchal culture. But someone said, is that is that worry? That doesn't worry me so much because it's true. It happened to me. It's I've seen the way women in my family have lived their lives and the choices or lack of choices they had. So if you don't, and I'm writing that specifically for other women that feel they can't say it themselves, right? So yeah. let's see, let's see, let's start a conversation about that self-harm I mean that is really raw not really something people talk about again the journalists who've read it have said you know they they know of young people who are going through that hopefully that will help people and again it's a taboo that like nothing is spoken about in my culture I mean it's such a taboo anyway but really I've been brought up to sort of keep everything inside everything is shameful so I sort of want to smash all that I think it's it's so powerful for it. And I'm wondering, are there things in there that your family, and particularly your parents, are learning for the first time? Yeah. I mean, they've not read the book yet. Fuck, really? Yeah, I'll tell you what happened. Because <laughs> yeah. I have. And I every time there's bits of another, I wonder what Anita's mum's going to say. The way you paint your mum, she's such a strong 
you know, sort of like opinionated character. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had, I got permission from my mum to write some of the stuff in there. I had a big, deep, it's been great for our relationship. I had long conversations with her about things. We've shed a few tears together. And actually, Joe, she read when I, I called her after the art, you article came out and she was really, in, she was in floods of tears. She was crying. Good tears? Good tears or bad tears? Both, I think. I think she just said, look, I felt, I feel, and she said, she's so proud of me. Okay, so this is the first thing she said. She said, say the things that I could never say. Be my voice. She said, I liberated you and you brought you up like this for a reason. And now you speak on behalf of all of those of us who can't speak, which is so powerful. And also, you know, she was brought up in a certain way and within one generation, it's almost like we might have skipped five generations. The way my mum was brought up and expected to behave and the way I was brought up and the world I was in, my demands and choices are so, you know, it's so hard for my mum to get her head around. The yeah, world but, she, but she supported that for you. Absolutely. But what I think, so, it, there was once years and years and years ago when, you know, being the Aussie girl and I, and I touched on, you know, I said, I can't really know what Anita's been through in terms of racism, but I really understand coming to another country and being othered. Do you know what I mean? Like sort of like, yeah. you know, like the, the, the language I used was different. I had to really figure out how to fit in. And, but then there was this one time years ago, um, I was the Aussie girl who'd done well and they did a, an interview with me in an Australian newspaper. And I mentioned something about um, I'm not really I'm not really a nationalist. I'm not somebody who beats my chest for for patriotism. You know, I'm sort of like I love Australia. I'm proud of it. But I don't you know, I don't support teams. I don't I, I'm not somebody who would wear a, a flag on my chest. And and my parents got so much abuse from their friends, from the things that I said about that. And so I'm just thinking what you, what the, I think the, the effect in, in your parents lives and, and culture could be quite interesting well I think people like with my mum and dad's world um they all their friends like it's almost like you know I'm flying the flag for a lot of people and there's a lot of people I've got a lot of wonderful support behind me of people who are like go girl go you know you're there you're there and you're there for all of us and we see you and we're proud of you and our daughters see you and that is really important and I don't I am I am I, I will only get flack from the things I've said from people I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think the people who know me know what this is about and how important it is to speak out. Interestingly, the stuff about race, and I did see your article, actually. I read it and I thought, you know, that's a really interesting comparison. And yeah, you're right. You know, absolutely. You experienced being other. And I've always felt other growing up. And, the, and well, and as I made the point, this is your country. Yeah. And I feel yeah, other yeah. in it. Right, yeah. which, is, which is a conversation we as a country are having now, finally. Yeah, yeah. Like we are in a night, we're having an identity conversation and a crisis. And that's, and it's great. It's great to be part of it. Finally, yeah. we're actually talking. But with that comes backlash. And actually, you know, talking about my race is the stuff that I'm most was like, oh, oh my God, can I say this? I'm like, hell yeah, I should say it. In fact, you know, I've got really supportive husbands. I mean, so supportive. He's going to be like, what have you said? <laughs> well, so my, my favourite detail of your supportive husband was like, yeah, tell them that on the day we got married, you didn't really want to get married. <laughs> 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 you 
know, again, I'm like, there must be people who are going to relate to this and appreciate it. Um, Anita, can I ask you, how did you think, um, I I was going to say, do you think this book turned out any differently because it was written in lockdown? So I was wondering, it was such a strange time, wasn't it? It was such a time for reflection for everyone and everyone to look at themselves and to evaluate, you know, how you are with your own company and being locked in. And I just wondered if that had an impact on essentially what you ended up writing. Like, had you written it under normal circumstances, would it have been a different kind of book, do you think? I think you're probably right. I think it absolutely must have had an impact. Like you say, we were all being so reflective because we were all trapped inside and, and we were all noticing small things and thinking about the, what's important and reassessing our lives and just going through something that I guess we, we probably don't even know yet because we're still, still processing it because we're still in it, you know, a little bit. Um, and it became my escape. Like I said, you know, it was almost like therapy for me. Uh, and again, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe I might have overshared a little bit. But I tell you what I watched during lockdown that I became obsessed with was UK Rap Game. It's a <laughs> program on BBC Three. And I watched it and I, I binge watched it. And it was amazing. Um, these really talented young people, songwriters, lyricists, poets. And they sort of had tasks every week where they had to go off and write lyrics about something. And every time they'd write something really superficial, it was like, yeah, that's good. And then they would be sent off to come go back and write something meaningful. And those, those moments were like, oh my gosh, that really hit me where it hurt. That really affected me. And so I thought if I'm gonna do this, I need to do the same. You know, if you're gonna write something, it's my one opportunity to write a memoir. Unless I get to, a, you know, 10 years down the line. Get to oh it. yeah, of course you will. Um, but I'm curious, cause you know, a, a theme of the book is your ability to shape shift, you know, it's called the right sort of girl. And you, you know, you really compartmentalized yourself. Okay. At home, I'm this person at work. I'm this person. Do you think that, you know, growing up, um, uh, you know, a non-white person trying to break into this white media, do you think that that played a huge part in taking you a long time to have the confidence to just say what the hell you think? Yeah. hundred percent. 100%. 100%. I talk about shape-shifting, absolutely. I mean, the word when, when I was growing up in this country was assimilate, right? We assimilate. Migrants come here, work, keep your head down and just assimilate. My parents did everything right, in inverted commas, right? They worked hard, they had a business, they sent me and my brother to private school because they thought this is the way they're going to get onto the next run of the ladder. And they wanted everything, every opportunity for us. And I say in the book, they did everything right, except they didn't arm me with the one basic fact that the color of my skin alone would be enough for people to treat me differently, right? Mm. Or see me differently. And that I would have to just expand. And I started working in this industry 20 years ago. Um, So it was really different back then. And, you know, looking back, and, you know, when you're 20, I'm just young and keen. And it didn't matter to me that people were saying no, because I just needed that one job. And so I didn't worry about things back then. It's only in hindsight that I look back and go, you know, I really did have to work damn hard to tell people that I'm capable of doing this job, right? So just prove myself, prove myself. But that's okay. That's my story. And that's why I'm, you know, and so when people ask me, do you think you had to work twice as hard? I think, yeah, I think women have to work harder. I think, I think every, every person of color has to work harder. Things are changing, but them's the facts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And so the, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff is, um, 
the stuff that I feel people might go, oh, really? Does she think that's still? And I'm like, well, look, I'm just sharing my experience. And either people want to hear it and absorb it and think about it, or people just want to get offended by it. And I can't do anything about people feeling offended by my life. I think the best advice I ever got was from Catherine Ryan, who said, you know what, no matter what you think, someone's going to be annoyed about it. So you may as well just say what you think. Exactly. Love it's really Catherine quite Ryan. simple, but liberating. Yeah, <laughs> no, she's, she's so right. And what's the alternative? Yeah. The alternative is what I've done my whole life, which is try and please everybody. And then you just lose who you are. You're like, I'm just this pathetic blob. I'm just a puddle. I can't like, imagine you ever being a blog, my dear. <laughs> Yeah, ever. Yeah. I mean, I'd, yeah, let's see what the journey is. But I do feel like finally I've got like this, I've got something to say and it's given me a bit of purpose, which is really empowering. So let's I see. Also, I also think, Anita, I think what you, what you said about your mum's reaction to the article, I think that it, it feels like it's going to have an impact. You know, I think so many sort of celebrity sort of memoirs are quite frothy, aren't they? Let's be honest. And I think what your mum said, and I think that the fact that you're speaking not just for you, you're speaking for, you're going to inspire future girls and women, you know, I think that's surely you must feel a real sense of pride in that, I think, of such a lovely sort of legacy to have already in a book that's only been out a week. <laughs> I hope know? so, I hope so. Let's see, you know, um, I, that, I mean, that's the, that's, that's the hope. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it ends up in a bargain bucket. No. Um, no, I, honestly, everybody, um, the right sort of girl, it is, it will really... Um, in the same way that, you know, Anita, you really shifted my brain with your uh, documentary on partition. So I think Anita is somebody who she doesn't speak unless she's got something to say. And so I, I definitely think that it is well worth everybody's time to read The Right Sort of Girl. Thank you, Joe. In all good bookstores now. So shall we get on to the main event ladies yeah we we've, we've got lots of things to say probably not <laughs> probably almost as important as the things in Anita's book yeah, almost no, these are more I mean, important yeah, yeah. this yeah. is mine and joe's legacy total nonsense yeah yeah <laughs> let's get into our area of expertise right yeah should we, should we kick things off uh, i might go with one of mine uh, um so this came to me <laughs> and when i sent joe a message on this when i was coming back on the motorway, driving back from Wales recently, uh, I sent it to Joe. <laughs> you could you say you just called me a bougie bitch, but I basically yeah yeah yeah. I was not. By the way, I was not, by the way, in a convertible car. But I was driving past a man and a woman, and it was a relatively nice day. But they were in a convertible car, and neither of them looked very happy about it. And I suddenly just thought, is it just me that just thinks convertible cars? are not that great, then they're, they're not practical. You know, it's all very good in the Hollywood movies, right? But let's be honest, we don't live in a kind of climate, I think, where convertible cars, it's a bit like Goldilocks, it's never quite right. They're a bit too windy. It's a and, bit what too I, and what I said to James is I wouldn't know you bougie bitch. <laughs> but yeah, that was, yeah. What about you, Anita? I have, you know, I think more, we have more convertible cars in Britain than anywhere else in Europe or something. Oh, I something thought you were like. going to say you and your husband. Like, oh, I, we have we, more convertible cars we've than had all so many. my friends. I have yeah. had one. I have had one. I bought this secondhand Z, BMW Z3. It's gorgeous. I mean, it's really old. And, uh, you know, it's quite difficult to drive. No power steering. But I thought I was a bougie bitch when I bought it. And um, you had to take the hard roof off right, to have reveal the convertible soft roof underneath. So my kitchen always had this big part. So that is like a faff in itself because it's really oh. heavy. And then the days we did take it down, you know, the two days in the year when we did take it down, it's so bloody noisy that you just end up trying to turn the music up and talking to, shouting at each other. And we were the couple who just didn't look very happy. 
Um, <laughs> so it might have been me driving past, James. <laughs> but you're so right. It's the volume. You're right. It's the wind. And then in fact, you can't hear the radio. You can't hear anyone else. I mean, yeah. I mean, Joe, have you, you, really, you must have been in a convertible car. I don't yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Well, the, my one and only experience was um, to this day remains the most epic fight that my husband Ross and I have ever had. Because um, I had had a couple of ginger pops um, and we had um, been lent my sort of like my bougie glamour editor days. I had been um, given the borrow of a Mercedes, like really top of the range cabriolet thing. So I didn't have to leave the hard top in my kitchen and eat her. I just had to push a button. Flash. You did flash you, Joe. Yeah. But so we went to um, my friend Lindsay's birthday drinks at the pub and I was the one who was allowed to drink and Ross drove. Now, the thing is, you to you can press the button to, to bring the, the top down, but it won't um, come down while the car's moving. So you have to be stationary and wait for it to come up, come off. This fact is sort of like just not really uh, given me much pause for consideration, for thought in, on the Hammersmith flyover. And so I'm trying to push the, the button to bring it down. And every time it, we stopped, it would start. But then every time he started driving, it would it would just stop again. So we're driving along the Hammersmith flyover with this with this top just like flapping around and fighting over it. And me going, just let it go. And he's going, you can't do it until it stops. And I was going, and I was like pushing again. And so and this sort of like eh, 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 stop started this soft top. People going past us either laughing at us or really angry because we were causing this like distracting eyesore on the road. And um, I've not been allowed in a soft top since. <laughs> that is a scene yeah. when you write your screenplay, the movie of your, your life. That is, a, that is a scene we all want to watch. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, he, he was so angry with me. I don't think he's ever been angrier with me. Because I, I just couldn't get it through my head that it wasn't a good idea to try and take the soft top down on the Hammersmith flyover. <laughs> but nothing good comes from a convertible car. There you go. Oh, especially not if, you, not if you wear a toupee. No, well, that's the thing. I mean, it's just the Bridget Jones thing, is it? Where Bridget Jones yeah. thought that she was going to be living her best life with um, what with Daniel, and by the time she got to wherever they were going, she looked like she'd been dragged through several hedges backwards. Yeah, but do you think it's because, do you think it's because we, we are of our stupid climate that maybe in other countries I would are they being less? I think more yeah, I think yeah. LA they work in Los Angeles, don't yeah. they? They're kind of you need to be in the Californian sunshine to really appreciate a soft top. But even then, just the sunburn. Yes, true. But is it is it just me who does think you're a bit of a knobber if you've got a an, an open top car? Is it just me? I mean, I do, I, I I do see them sort of like you know like smiling around all the traffic, loving life, almost sort of like you know really wanting you to notice them. And I'm thinking, oh look at those storm clouds up ahead in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and you know what is an even yeah. bigger knobber? Root convertible with driving gloves. Oh yes, what yes. Is that? Straight out the partridge playbook. Do they still make driving gloves? I mean, seriously, is there anyone still making money out of the driving glove? They must have had a serious downturn in, in um, popularity after the OJ thing, right? Oh. <laughs> they must have. We've gone there. <laughs> they must have. It's like yeah. no, one, no one wants to be associated with driving gloves after that. I love that I just got to say knobber. I haven't said it <laughs> I had to repeat it after you used it's it. I'm quite, like, yes. It's quite northern, isn't it? 
Yeah. Very northern, and it's been years since I've said it. Brilliant. Okay. Oh, well, you know, you're with the sophisticates now, Anita. I know, yeah. you just oh, words back to Anytime you need me to class things up on Women's Hour, just let me know. <laughs> Any, all, all day long. I mean, that's what I'm about now, bringing a bit of class to Women's Hour. Also, Joe, <laughs> Joe, you've now, also, Joe, you've now got me thinking like OJ Simpson was to the driving club, what Daniela Westbrook was to the Burberry check. Mm. <laughs> killed it. <laughs> Literally killed it in its tracks. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I'm going to try and kill K-pop by getting into it so that my daughter stops listening to it. Because if I really love it, everyone will think it's just super naff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watch yeah. out, K-pop. She's coming I for you. I can single-handedly bring down the K-pop empire just by <laughs> saying I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where. Where did this conversation start? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, we're not going to get trolled by all the K-pop fanatics, Joe. But if you'd like to troll me and Joe, by all means, do send us a nice email at the usual email address. Uh, is it just me podcast at gmail.com? Uh, we love hearing from you. And obviously, get, let us know about any um, suggestions for future topics as well. So the email address again is, is it just me podcast at gmail.com? Right. Anita Rani, James Williams. Is it just me who washes my hair before I go to the hairdressers? In the, in, you know, in, it's sort of like I clean up before the cleaner comes. You know, it, it's I wash the car before I take it to the car wash. You know, all of those things. <laughs> well, Anita, where are you on this one? Uh, I would say, Joe, it's just you. I mean, I've, I've known my hairdresser for years, right? And I've actually, and in prep, I had this comment. I was just with a couple of people in the park before I came here, and I was said I mentioned the, what we were going to talk about, and all of them agreed with me. None of us ah. were just stinky when we were just a skank crew. No, I, I don't. It's it's not about skank for me. It's about the fact that I look like a troll doll every morning, so I can't possibly go into the hairdressers. But he, but that's the whole point, isn't it? They know that they see troll dolls coming in all the time. They see all sorts. No, of I, I think that out. George. I've known George for like. 15 years but I still think that he would be really shocked if he saw my hair in its natural habitat yeah your hair yeah. is so slick I'm looking at you now it's beautiful it's like so stylish it's, it, like it's, it's quite salad. flat isn't it it's like every I'm telling you every morning it's like that it's sort of like just everywhere I can't walk down the street like that look look at that it's great I love it no I don't wash it because I actually when I go in when I get my um a colour put in. It's much better. It's much better for the hair to have the colour put in when it's not being washed. And also, I love that feeling of the ref, the, the transformation, the transformation. Yeah. Well, wear Joe, a hat. Wear a hat before you go into the hairdressers. Well, Joe, maybe we are weirdos because when you when we talked about this, I'm with you. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm differently to you. I do think it's the skank element because I always think. Oh, you know, my hair's getting a bit greasy. And I, I do something to think, oh, well, I'm going to get my hair cut tomorrow. I won't bother. I'm going, oh, no, you can't take greasy hair to your hairdresser. But then, weirdly, I hate those people that pre-wash things before putting them in the dishwasher. Oh. So I'm, do you know what I mean? I don't get that. But oh, no, no, no. I, I'll always give something a rinse before it goes in the dishwasher. Oh, Joe, you're, why? Because I can't bear the idea of all the food collecting in it. I have to get rid yeah. of all of that. Yeah. I'll give it a rinse, but I don't do, I mean, I have sounds so my mother-in-law i mean you literally don't know whether the plates have just been washed or put in they are so yeah. when they go in there. <laughs> yeah no i no i wouldn't i wouldn't go that far no but also just on the hair washing like people have told me for you I, I do i wash my hair every day sometimes twice if i've been to the gym and um it's it's never affect it's never been a bad thing people who tell you it ruins your hair i think it depends on your hair yeah i do think you're, it depends on your hair but mm. is it true that the more you wash your hair, the more you have to wash it? So when I, I think that may, that may well be true. And so I'm in a I'm in a cycle that can never end. 
Did you uh, wash yeah. every day through lockdown? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think I did. No, I, also for yeah. lockdown, I, um, you know, I still had to be the boss. I still had to somehow, and I don't know how successful I was, so I had somehow keep the wheels on a team. And so I had to like, even if I was in my living room, I had to look like I was at work, you know? So there was no um, egg stains on my tracky pads. I, I had work outfits on to sit in my kitchen. Well, I think that's really good. It's good discipline. I quite like, I mean, I like to get up and get dressed and, you know, be ready. Even throughout lockdown, I didn't do the tracky pant thing. Um, Did you not, even when you were writing? Yeah, no, no, I don't wear, I don't really have that many trackies. I just, um, I just float around and see. You really are that. so bougie, aren't you? <laughs> you really are. And champagne glasses and that's how <laughs> I live my life, Joe. I need to have a coat. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. My hairdresser just knows. Oh, he prepares himself. He's like, oh, bloody hell, that stinky bitch Nita Rani's coming in today. <laughs> oh, my God. Cotton wool at my nostrils. Need, we're going to need gas masks yeah. and, <laughs> and, and fumigators. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show my age. I'm, I'm definitely of a certain age. But do you remember Take That when they went through that sort of stage where they also grew their hair? No, um, Granddad, what is a Take That? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They, they sort of went through that kind of sort of hippie phase. They all grew their hair. And I remember it was 1993, it, I believe. It was the first time I'd ever heard about not washing your hair. And I remember the boys who take that said they'd got to that stage where their hair was naturally cleaning itself. I remember oh, yeah, it or something. And I, I tell you what, I still with Jason Orange though, I still would have. I wouldn't care how stinky that hair was. <laughs> I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. 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 I agree. They need to, wait, Jason needs to come back. Come on, enough. No, Jason. He's disappeared yeah. on the earth, doesn't he? Yeah. That's why I love him the most, because he wanted it the least, you know? Yes. Yeah. And he's got yeah. what he needed from it, and he's living his life somewhere, doing his thing. Yeah. Still, I bet he's still body popping like a pro. Um, you know, yeah. in dungarees. Mm. Was, it them that, was it them and the first ever TV performers? Were they in dungarees? Was that Take yeah. That? Uh, oh, no, that was, was that Boy Zone? Or was that Boy Zone? Yeah. Oh, look, this is, see, this is where the good stuff is, isn't it? Yeah. This is like, yeah. <laughs> Don't nick this for Women's Hour, this chat, <laughs> all right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. This is my dream woman's hour situation. <laughs> in this conversation. <laughs> when can I discuss boy bands? <laughs> I'm so I'm so lowering the tone. The first nipple released from a dungaree, I believe, was in 1995. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. um, but yes, uh, but I, I was going to say, I, then I did try. It became like a sort of dare. I tried to do uh, emulate it. And I caved after about three days. I literally couldn't go any longer without washing my hair. But I think because I've got fine hair, that tends to be on more on the greasy side. But on, on the plus side, you do have that take that 1993 vibe going on with your hair right now. Well, I Good mean, I'm going to say, yeah, my, my hair is the new Brexit. It's very divisive. It's 52 percent <laughs> of the day. People are either really feeling it or they absolutely hate it. And this has never been better exemplified than a re uh, my recent visit to see my parents. The first time I'd seen my parents in person for 18 months. And as they drove away from me, my dad is out one window shouting, for Christ's sake, get a haircut. And my mother's going, no, don't you dare, I love it. <laughs> and that exemplifies, yeah, the reaction. But it's Imagine really it. how, how long have your parents been married? Oh, God. Uh, so they must have been married for coming up to about 50 years now. Imagine if your hair is the thing that causes the, the big breakup. Absolutely, can you imagine? <laughs> weird, I have to say, I didn't realise there, there, there is a type of person in this world who literally hates long hair on a man. Like literally, they have a real irrational hatred of it. 
Um, I've always thought long hair. But I don't think your hair is long yet. Well, I love it. I love it, James. But I am of the Keanu Reeves, River Phoenix, Kurt Cobain. Like these were my heartthrob heroes. And the hair, as I've said in the book, Hair on a, it's important. And Buppy's, Buppy grew, Buppy's grew longer than that's my husband, grew longer than mine in lockdown. And I just, he kept asking me to cut it and I wouldn't. Buppy's a man who wears a beard well. Not many, not every man can wear a beard well. True, true, true. But true. I think it, I think it works on your one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now we can stop matching bobs. Oh, <laughs> but James, keep it, keep it. I'm with you. Well, uh, I'm because weirdly, I, I'm that kind of person. You know, the, more, no, the more people tell me they hate it, the more determined I am to keep going. Even if I end up going, I actually hate it myself. I'll probably, probably just keep growing it and go mad. But I also no, but I like how blonde it is. Thank mm, you. Yeah. I kind of just got like got surfer dude chic going on. I love it. You know, that, that, you're the third person to say that now, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna really cling to that because <laughs> sometimes I look at it and I go. Are you having a midlife crisis? Are you having a total nervous? Crisis? I was going to say, if if the surfer dude lived in South London, yeah. there in the beach, I never just walk around with a surfboard. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, anyway, thank you, Anita. I really appreciate your support because one of my other friends, he's growing his hair. We're almost we've made a pack together because it's almost like we have to survive this thing because people literally are so rude to you. The ones that hate it are like, cut your hair. I absolutely hate it. It's like really like the vitriol that comes out. No, of well, that's that's not on. That's out yeah. of order. Yeah. But, um, there you go. Yeah. I mean, Imagine yeah. saying that to a woman. It wouldn't happen. No, I know. True. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. There we go. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we could have gone to my hair. Thanks very much for that. Um, yeah, but I, I did wash my hair this morning and I'll wash it tomorrow and the next day. Mine is yeah. fresh washed as well today, Anita. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I didn't. I, because it was radio, not TV. So now I'm just, I basically wash it when I'm on the telly. So you, did, you didn't wash your hair and now you've broken into someone else's flat. Broken into someone else's flat. When did it all go wrong, Anita? <laughs> yes. When, when the first time I met you, Joe, actually. No, was... yeah. <laughs> You're not the first to say that. <laughs> do you know what? I did actually do one of, and I don't mean this to be funny, but I did do one of the last interviews with Britney Spears before it all went wrong. Silence. Okay, yeah, I know. I How did. was she? How I was she in the interview? How was she? She was fantastic. She'd been yeah. out with um, Colin Farrell the night before. So I think maybe it was his fault, not mine. But wow. yeah. yeah. His wild days. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Poor old Brittany, man. What a story. 2003. It. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Really interesting. But she actually spoke and and actually she had, she lost, right? Her dad's kept control. Isn't that the Yes. And it's... I don't know. And in fact, it's something I don't I don't know enough about the law, but uh, my friends who know the law, it, it's been really quite some interesting debates. Mm. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's just seems so very, 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 very sad. I agree. It is mm. sad. for everybody. Yeah. But anyway, that took a turn, didn't it? Sorry. About that. <laughs> it's all yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. But it's not my fault. No. Yeah. Light and shade. No, yeah. I, I, I still think it was Colin Farrell, Joe, not you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's on a knife edge, but I'll, I'll give Colin Farrell the edge. And I think that I think that both me and Colin Farrell would, are probably quite happy with that assessment. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and to be honest, that's one hell of a night out, Joe Olvin and Colin Farrell. I mean, you know. Oh, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I'd be dead. If I went out with Colin Farrell for one night, I'd be dead. I'm just, yeah. I'm just not up to it, you know. I'm a simple <laughs> Aussie girl. Yeah. 
<laughs> right. I love this. This is my favorite Aussie story, right? Um, you're at, right, Britain's Next Top Model. It became a global, and America's Next Top Model. When they did the Aussie one, I watched the first ever episode. We're going back a bit. And all the models went into the house for the first time. The first time they'd met each other. They're all super excited because they're in that fat pad. They all get pissed. And the following morning, no, one so of the that girls doesn't sound right. <laughs> well, yeah, no, sorry, that's not Aussies, is it? Yeah. And one of the girls wakes up with one eyebrow. They've shaved her eyebrow off in the night. It was fun. Sounds like only in Australia's next top model would that happen. <laughs> that sounds like that's that that could well be a scene from my high school days. <laughs> oh. Ultimate, ultimate sabotage, isn't it? It's is so bad. Savage. So, so outrageous. I need to watch that. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to dig that one up. <laughs> but, you know, most, most Australians are quite nice. <laughs> yes, we love an Aussie. <laughs> we love an Aussie. We have lots of lovely Aussie listeners, don't we, Joe? Actually, we, we get do. Emails from Australia and New Zealand. Shall we get on to our final topic? Uh, and actually, this, this is actually a very good segue because from that very funny story, uh, I started thinking about my sense of humour recently, and I just wondered, is it just me that worries I'll never truly develop a sophisticated sense of humour? You know, because I'll say this about you, Joe, I always feel like you're on the money. You and Ross are always good. You always seem to be, know the, the funniest, latest shows to watch, and you're always ahead of the game in those kind of things. And I'm- I was going to say, because I have not got a sophisticated sense of humour. <laughs> so I really wonder what that, and, I, and I'm not worried about that. No, yeah. but I, yeah. I do think you, you also watch the cool, funny TV shows as well, whereas I feel like, I'm all about somebody falling over. I hate to say, you know, you know what I mean? I, 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 I'm just, I just, or I'm all about like a really bad double entendre. I have that real, I don't know if it's being brought up in this country, the carry on films, being exposed to them at a young age. Basically, I just love a double entendre and I'll never ever, you know, not find them funny. And I just think, <laughs> does that make me a slightly sad, creepy old man? <laughs> I don't think that's what makes you a sad, creepy old man. <laughs> It's, it's, it's the, the hair, hair, isn't it? The hair. It's the hair. It's back to the hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I am definitely one of those people who, at the theatre, when everyone starts laughing, I'll jump in and go. <laughs> <laughs> you know my fake laugh. <laughs> oh. I'm supposed to laugh now. Laugh with everyone else. <laughs> um, oh. Because you, it's because the joke has escaped your. Um, Reasoning powers, or is it because they're laughing at something that you find a bit puerile? What is it? I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, if so, if, if I used to do it when I was younger, now I laugh if I find it funny and I don't. It might be because I've momentarily sort of fallen asleep and then everyone's laughing. I'm like, oh, better join in. <laughs> um, but in terms of TV, like we, we've got to split, we're split in comedy uh, choices in our house. My husband is definitely, um, you know, the more Kevin Hart, the better movies and like slapstick he loves it all any comedy whereas i'm like can we not just watch another episode of curb your enthusiasm ah uh, yeah which i mean he you, loves as well you can come and sit with us yeah i'm coming to you don't worry yeah 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 love no, it i mean i could watch that or i mean i have i've watched them so many times i just love oh. it but, but that's you that's brilliant comedy that's not sort of sophisticated it's just brilliant right it, but I, I don't know if I am sophisticated don't you remember James my 50th birthday party which was the last great party before the world ended <laughs> in February 2020 <laughs> and um and Ross my husband did give a, a mostly lovely speech about me which I wasn't expecting him to do but he did also tell everybody at the table that all you have to do to get me to laugh is say the word bum 
yeah and it's like it's just that it's like and it is true I, I do I've got I am I am such a child with like oh. you know all the toilet humor I really am I totally agree though toilet humor is funny though it's just hilarious. Yeah. like if someone yeah. farts accidentally or even if someone just says the word fart if someone just makes yeah. a fart noise and someone sits down it's brilliant it really is and and he always sort of I mean he laughs at it as well but when everybody else has stopped laughing I'm still crying laughing about something it's just like for crying out loud get over it I'm like I can't it is funny though is it because I agree with that I think sometimes that you do find there's a Venn diagram where the, you, the high the low meet and I was talking to friends actually with this recently and I think that because you know, it's such a nuanced thing isn't it sense of humor like some you either get things you don't get things or but there are some films that come along and I remember two the two for me Joe I remember were Trainwreck and Bridesmaids and oh, I remember, oh yeah brilliant and I remember I think because we saw them really early on because I think both times we were at Glamour at the time and we I think went to an early screening and then we arranged another reader screening that's right like, yeah yeah and of both of them and I laughed as hard the second time as I did the first time and what was brilliant was we took all of our friends and watching and you you knew what was coming and it was just yeah. like, Across the board, everyone just got those jokes. Those jokes, and I actually I caught bridesmaids the other night, and I'd forgotten actually how funny it is. And oh, it's, it's a classic. Scene. The shitting yeah. scene, <laughs> in the wedding dress in the middle of the road, the the, air, the the plane scene. It is so funny and like a game changer, I think, in terms of female comedy as well. Yeah, like definitely, that. definitely. Um, I think for me, one of the funniest films ever made, though, is classic, is Airplane. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Absolutely, and the, I think the Zucker brothers who made that movie, they originally, first of all, all that all the cast are actually straight actors before they did that film. And so that's funny because you've never seen these actors in those roles. And then they did a first screening of the film and recognized where people were laughing and went where, where they weren't and decided that they'd get rid of all the sort of straight bits and just make it gag after gag after gag. And it is just, I mean, you could quote so many, so many scenes. We I have to wonder, I, I do wonder if it has stood the test of time. Do you know what I mean? When I think about how much I loved, loved, loved um, the League of Gentlemen when that was a oh. comedy. And that at the time, the scene is quite sort of like, you know, you were that was the cool comedy to like. But it's full of so much stuff now that just would not let it get made. So I'm just wondering about... I don't know. I, I can't think of anything right now, but I just—it'd be really interesting to watch Airplane again and see if it's—if it's—if we're still allowed to watch it. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Humor change. I mean, the League of Gentlemen is really interesting because the same. I'm like mad obsessive fan, and like still to this day, anything that those guys like do. I, I oh yeah. Love Inside Number Nine. Like they're all just just so just on genius. It, clever. Yeah. yeah. Genius. I mean, I, I don't know. I've not watched League of Gentlemen, but I suppose like Papa Lazarou character might be a bit. Well, the one, the one that I, the one that I think is just a no go is uh, Babs Cabs. Oh yes, yes, you're right. Even though she's yeah. so funny, I don't know. I'll have to watch it back. I'm not, I don't even know if we're allowed to say that anymore. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't want to sound like that. I don't want to sound like one of those old right wing haters. You can't say anything anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting though because I saw a debate on this about on TV the other day about you know because I think it's about whether or not because the argument is I think there's talk now about um, old episodes of Coronation Street. They're going to have a warning before airing them because obviously it's a sign of the times. There were things. 
And it was just this whole thing. Of, and it, the question was, is it really needed? I, and I guess the argument was, well, if you're a kid watching that, then you need to have the proviso that this was made at a time when these things were not acceptable. Well, and the argument was, well, most kids look at anything like that and they know it's not of this time. So it is an interesting debate. I don't know what... Uh, we can well, do. I have to who, who, who the hell is seeking out decades-old episodes of Coronation Street? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the... That's the well, bigger I, question. I am pretty pleased. There's a lot of stuff that was on TV when I was a kid and before I was born that isn't on TV anymore. Like the stuff that we were, we like, you know, the black and white minstrel show. Um, mind your language. Like, mind your language. Love like all this yeah. stuff. I mean, this is not, not, you know, Bernard Manning. Oh, um, you know, these, and these were like kind of comedy greats. In the, in the, and I'm very happy that we've moved on, that we're not telling racist, sexist, mother-in-law jokes anymore. But actually, we've, in that sense, we've become... I mean, it's not even more sophisticated. It's just more... Just, just, just look, no. as long as you leave bums alone, all right? Just yeah, bums, bums. We could have bums. Yeah, yeah. I, bums just, I need bums. I can do without the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, what is it? Uh, talking of comedy and bums. Uh, just Father Jack in Father Ted just saying, arse! <laughs> See? That works. Yes. <laughs> when in doubt, just they are. Yeah. I actually do think bums is a bit funnier than ours. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. 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 so sort of like 70s comedy. Yeah. When have you had your, do you think, have you ever had a really bad Anita attack of the church giggles? Like, have you laughed out of a situation when you really, really, really should, and you just could not stop yourself? Yeah, probably. I mean, that's kind of, always happens like the awkward I'm trying to think of something where when it has happened but absolutely you know we've all done it you know when you've had to walk and then what's worse in those situations is that it because you know you're not supposed to be laughing you can't stop yeah you're in floods of tears you just have to walk away and you don't even know why you're laughing and yeah no I, I feel like I've definitely done that and definitely upset somebody when I've done that (laughs) <laughs> that happened to me. That happened to me at an international conference of all the glamour Vogue and GQ editors, in a um, in a quiet um, auditorium in Venice, with a man who I wasn't really enjoying his um, his talk, his motivational talk, some guest speaker, and um, and then he played the piano for us, and his microphone was right near his nostrils, and and it just t- and, and so the whole place was being filled with this sort of like. <laughs> <laughs> And it was me and this girl were the only ones who really seemed to notice it. And once we noticed it, we couldn't stop. And I was, I honestly thought I was going to die because I was just, I was in so much pain. I had tears rolling down my eyes with the owner of the company sitting right in front of me. And um, the man next to me, who was one of my superiors going under his breath, pull yourself together. And every time he said that, I just laughed even more. I thought I was going to get fired. (laughs) It was, and and, the, and later on, that guy who'd been telling me to pull myself together, it, with a smile on his face, he said, I, "I, you know, I wanted to to hit you." And I said, "I know." I said, "It was. I'm so embarrassed. I'm sorry." But I, on the plus side, I feel absolutely amazing. I feel like I've had the most amazing sort of like gut workout. <laughs> it's like, so fun, and, so um, brilliant, isn't it? When you laugh, belly laughs are the best. The best. Oh, but but, you, yeah. you didn't fire you. They didn't fire you. No, not 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 at that point. Many years later. Suddenly <laughs> <laughs> so remembered that day. Like, oh, by the way. <laughs> no, I always feel as well you've got that one person that I think that for me is that there are certain friends or family members that are, are triggers for my church giggles and they almost 
they just uh, just their presence alone or just a look in their eye will just set me off to be honest and sometimes you're not even laughing at anything you're just laughing at just the moment or just them you know and it's just and, and it must and that's what I feel a bit like it must, it must seem so juvenile that's what I always think I always think like <laughs> even when you were talking in each, earlier about the theatre like I, I'm bemused I, I'm sorry I, I those, those people that really over laugh at Shakespeare oh come on it's not <laughs> yeah exactly it's, it's really come on. comedy you know fuck off they're, they're the people who really laugh at New Yorker cartoons <laughs> they <laughs> are the worst yeah. <laughs> they are the potential what do you call them nobbers nobbers <laughs> proper most- nobbers aren't they um, I'll tell you what's a great topic if you really do want to get a good laugh out of your maze. Next time you're all together, just ask any of them if they've ever shit themselves. And that is a great, <laughs> great topic to get everyone laughing. I have one I mean, friend. Yeah, I have one friend. When we went to Sydney, my daughter met her properly for the first time. And, and she just was like sitting there mouth open. My friend Shelly, hi Shelly, has got a good <laughs> 20 minutes stand up routine of, of the several times that she's been in that situation. Like several times. Yeah. And usually wearing white. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, see, I, I'm getting very, I'm getting very uh, sweaty palms just even thinking about this. Kind of- but I don't have a sophisticated sense of humour. And, <laughs> and, and I think that it's, it's, I don't know. I think I'm a much happier person for it. I totally agree. We don't want one. Yeah. Just agree. It's just not the one you want. You just want no. toilet humour all the way. Yeah. All the way. Oh God, okay. yeah. Oh, no, no. oh, I mean, I'm one of those people. Somebody was saying, you know, if ever you have to call in sick, somebody once said to me, if anybody else says to you, what, what, what's wrong with you? Just say you've got the shits because they literally can't get you off the phone quick enough. It's this. It's <laughs> it's one of those great sort of awkward. Oh, okay, yeah, fine, yeah, fine. <laughs> no one argues with the shits. No one argues. No one. You don't have to say that. You just have to say, I just, I just don't think, I just don't think I could leave the house right now. Oh, say no more, Joe. Say no yeah. more. Say no more. Okay, yeah, you just get this. Stay there for a month. Just don't tell us anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Or you just say, I don't know what it is, but it's both ends. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where else so rumbled the next day we want to see a take? Oh, I, know. Yeah. Um, well, I think on that lovely gem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a sophisticated note. <laughs> That's the content that people come for, Anita Marnie. You know it, right? I mean... <laughs> Everyone listening, you're welcome. HR, take that to HR next time they ask you anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's your handy guide. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Anita. Or as it says on your Zoom today, Bridie. Bridie, um, well, my mate Bridie, whose house yeah. smuggled into. Thank you for having me. That was like therapy, proper good Oh, man. I told Thank you, you see. And everybody go and get your copy of The Right Sort of Girl. It is, it, you know, I, I can't praise it enough. I think it's absolutely brilliant, Anita. Well done. Congratulations. Well done. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We'd love to see you too, Joe. Yeah. Um, thank you everyone for listening and we will see you again very soon. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Bye. <laughs>